Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Alright everyone, you're back with the Grave Plot Podcast. This is week three of Octoberama, a week of the slasher. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Um, and this is a mini-sode. Yes. No horror business, no interview, just reviews. Yep. But, uh, how you doing? Good. We, we've wrapped on our second annual Halloween short film last night. Yes, we did. I think it went well. Me too. Uh, we shot it, like, we shot it out of order just because it worked better to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it almost seemed like that maybe made it more exhausting because <laughs> we're trying to make sure we get all those, you know, extra shots. Because if we're like, if we were shooting it in chronological order, I think it would have been, you know, second nature. It's like, okay, well, first we do this shot and now we need this shot. Now let's go back to this shot, you know, back and forth. Right. Which is kind of what we did last year. Yeah. Um, but now we had much more of a, of a production behind this, so it was we had to be a little more. We also had daylight we had to deal with, although by the time we started, it was pretty much gone. Yeah, we were going to shoot some day for night scenes, but yeah, there was no more sun by the <laughs> time we, or there was, there was no more daylight by the time we actually got started. Um, it was an adventure. We didn't get out of there until what midnight close to it and uh you know that was after a long day of work yeah and then you know i told you my my wife and i we went to a, a concert on thursday night today, today saturday um we filmed friday but on thursday night my wife and i went to a concert uh we didn't get home until probably about one o'clock and you know went to bed probably somewhere around one thirty, then woke up at six to go to work. And immediately after work, we drove out to shoot the short and it's just been a very exhausting few days. Well, perk up. We got a show to do. <laughs> um, anything new with you otherwise? No. All right. Okay. Um, well, before we jump into the reviews, though, I do want to say that it's not too late to get your submissions in for the Ultimate Horror Movie Survival Kit, brought to you by the Grave Plot Podcast and Man Crates. Um, basically, anything you think you would need if you were trapped in a horror movie, let us know. You can tweet at us, post it on our Facebook, or email it to contact at graveplotpodcast.com. Yeah. And, you know, we'll be communicating these things to Man Crates, so things like uh, fleshlights, and uh, minority body doubles, probably not the best choices. Or portable teleportation devices. That's sure. the other one I got. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate the effort, <laughs> but think a little more practically. Yes. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, no. Okay. Let's do the reviews. All right, as it is week of the slasher, 
we did two slasher movies. Um, Taylor, what do you want to start with? Well, since you just got done watching it about 10 minutes ago, let's do the burning. <laughs> All right. In my loins. <laughs> Forward to midnight swims. Don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hot fire. Don't be wrong. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. This movie is about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> no, it's not. She got the herps. Probably. She probably got the herps, the burps, and the merps. <laughs> and then the nerps. <laughs> the nerps? The nerps. I've got two nerps. <laughs> Boing! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that ass though don't stop (laughs) uh so the burning is from 1981 it introduced the world to cropsy who is apparently very 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 loosely based on a true story yeah uh i only know of cropsy because of my wife actually she's my wife my wife um She's she's really into like true crime stuff and you know documentary documentaries and shit. Um and uh I guess there was this child killer on Stat in Staten Island in the seventies or something. And I guess in the New York area there's this kind of boogeyman figure named Cropsy. Mm. And I, I I have to assume that's where they got it for this movie. You know, the same kind of lore. Yeah, and apparently Cropsy now in, in the New York area has become kind of an adjective for, like, just an insane person. Mm. It's like, dude, you being Cropsy. <clears throat> they say it like that. Yeah. Um, but for the movie's sake, Cropsy is a... he He's not a camp counselor, right? No, he's the caretaker. Right, that's what it is. Um, and nobody likes him for... A reason that's never explained. No, other than he's like a fucking creep and he hate it. Like one guy say, I fucking hate that creep, I think, or something like that. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This like that, the movie starts off with these kids just bad mouth and cropsy. And so they play a prank on him where they post, they put, take a skull, 
fill it with maggots and light candles inside and put it next to Cropsy's bed. Cropsy wakes up, knocks the skull onto himself for some reason. Into his bed of kerosene or something. He's He very deliberately, like, just goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, like you said, his bed just lights up. Yeah. Like, 4th of July. Uh, and it's like a wool blanket. Wool doesn't just catch fire. It doesn't just go up like that, yeah. <laughs> um, so Cropsy is burned to death. Fast forward, how many years later? Uh, two, I think. Is that all? I think so. Okay. Or maybe it was... For some reason, the, the numbers two and seven stick out in my head. Both of those could be wrong, though. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's probably, probably five. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's cut it in the middle and just say five. Well, there's a new breed of campers at, is it Camp Blackfoot? The original camp is Camp Blackfoot, but apparently this is a different camp. Okay, that's right. Because the the camp counselor, I guess, Todd, yeah, says at one point that you know Camp Blackfoot burned down and it's no longer there. So, assuming oh, this is a, okay. a different camp altogether, could it be the same location though? Uh, I think he said it was like across the lake or across the river or something. Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> Okay. The so. the similarities between this and Friday the 13th are very striking. Yes. When did the first Friday the 13th come out? 1980. Okay. So <laughs> So this movie really jumped on the 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 <clears throat> summer camp bandwagon. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, so this is this new camp that's apparently across the lake. Uh new batch of counselors and campers including a Finnish, fully-haired Jason Alexander. Right? Yeah, and I think that was all his real hair. Yeah, seemed like it. <laughs> and also a very young Fisher Stevens. Yeah, Ben Javeri. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 guy who wrote that Patty's Pub is the worst bar in Philadelphia. Right. I can never remember the guy's real name. I only knew it because if I hear it, I'll know it. Oh, yeah. But... I, if I have to think of who he is, he's just, he's Ben Javeri. I didn't realize it was him at first, but it was his voice that gave it away. Yeah. I, I noticed that, like, humongous jaw of his and, and his, like, kind of hooked nose. Yeah. It's just... He plays Woodstock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the bulk of the middle part of the movie is just kind of getting to know these these campers and these counselors... Um, it's just a lot of, you know, Jason Alexander doing his best Bluto impression. <laughs> and then just a lot of, you know, eating in the cafeteria and going on canoe rides and... Yeah, you know, just normal camp stuff. Hanging out. Uh, a lot of fake scares in this one. Not like not like fake jump scares where, oh, it's your friend. But like, like there's one part where Cropsy is in the bushes and he's got his... his garden shears that he uses as his primary weapon. Yeah. And he's sneaking up behind someone, and then they walk away before he gets a chance to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, you know, once or twice in a movie, that's fine. But once you're... Once you're, you're doing that, like, several times throughout a movie, it's, it's too much. Yeah. And then other times where there are, you know, someone creeps into the room and 
you think it's Cropsey and then they turn on the light and it's one of the counselors or something. But it's not really a jump scare. Yeah. Um, it's like there weren't – okay, so it, it, it does the same thing that Friday the 13th does, the original Friday the 13th and to a lesser extent too. Um, but it it does most of the um, scenes with the killer from the eyes of the killer. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas the in Friday the Thirteenth, you're you're not really supposed to know who the killer is, and this one you do. So it's like, why are they keeping this guy such a secret? Yeah, that was my thought for most of the movie too, is because you don't get to see him until the last act. Last really seen, really. yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so the guy burns to death, supposedly, but then he goes and spends however many years in the hospital. Yeah, and you know they they show a scene where it's like kind of a voiceover. These doctors saying, "Well, you know, basically telling him, oh, you're good. you're as good as you're going to get.' So we're letting you go. <laughs> good luck. Yeah." Uh, and the first thing he does is get a whore, um, because who wouldn't, you know, um, <laughs> guys gotten laid in two to seven years. Yeah. Then he just kills the bitch. Yeah. Then doesn't even, you know, bang her first. I'm glad you added first. <laughs> we don't know what happens after. <laughs> Maybe crap. He's the little, little necro, but you know, we know from the end of the movie that his face is all fucked up. Yeah. Like he's severely burned. Um, but he, you know, this, this hooker takes her up to, takes him up to her room. And it's at that point she notices what she looks like. Well, he's got like a fedora on. That, you know, <laughs> shields his face. What is he, Clark Kent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or a fedora and glasses. I'll never notice. I mean, if you wear a fedora and you put your head down. Then you know it, it's like this. So he's Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After ah. the Pepsi commercial incident. Ah. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just I didn't get that. So yeah, he, he kills a hooker. Did, did he? Did he use the shears on the hooker? No, she had a pair of scissors on the desk. Oh, okay, I was gonna say I didn't think he had them yet. So yeah, and then uh, then we get to know these counts, these ca- campers. We're going camping. <clears throat> they hang out for a while, then finally, Cropsey literally kills a boatload of people. Yeah, uh, chops Fisher Stevens' fingers off, <laughs> which apparently kills him. Right, because <laughs> we never see him again. Yeah, and uh, also stabs Ned Eisenberg. If you don't know him, um, he's the really slimy, kind of baldish, like super Jewish lawyer in uh, most Law and Order uh, episodes. Like if you see like this tiny little bald-headed Jewish lawyer uh, in I think pretty much any iteration of Law and Order. That's probably him. Who was he in this? Uh, he was um, shit. What was his character's name? 
Was he the Eddie. one? Was he the one that was like, "Hey, look at these Indian markings here," and then they knock they knock the rocks over, and that's what happens. Wrong that movie. <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> um, no, he's the one who's. Uh, he talks the chick out into skinny dipping. Oh yeah, that guy's a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> but another guy that it's funny to see him with hair because he's like really bald now. Yeah. I mean, you see, you can see the similarities in these movies since I'm combining them in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he takes this chick out to go skinny, he basically is like, "Hey, we, we should fuck," and she's like, "No, that's not going to happen." And he's like, "Okay, let's go skinny dipping," and she goes, "Well, okay." Okay. And, they go skinny dipping, and he's like. Hey, now that you're naked, we should fuck. And she's like, I said no. And he's like, you're a bitch. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> she won't make out with him. Fine. Like, he, you know, he keeps trying to, like, come on to her and, like, make out with her and stuff. Poker with his dick. Right. Just, just rub his hard little knob against him. <laughs> or her. Um <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> yep, that's what it was. Um, and, uh, you know, she keeps pushing him off. It's like, okay, yeah, dude, back off. Yeah. But then, a like, little rapey. Yeah. But then, like you said, he's like, I'm going swimming. Or she, he said, Let, let's go swimming. And she's like, I don't have a swimsuit. He's like, so? Nobody's going to see you. So he just strips down. Let's his freak flag fly. Right. And he says, well, I don't care what you do, but I'm going in. And then after he gets in, she strips down and gets in the water. So it's like sending mixed messages here, lady. That's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, you know, she's they're both naked in the water. And, you know, you think sexy time's coming. (laughs) Um, And uh, she swims out to him and they start kissing and like he, she she starts pushing him away again it's like well what's going on here <laughs> sure i mean i guess it's a woman's prerogative to go skinny dipping but why why but I don't know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> so, so she was sending mixed messages but he was pushing the line that's what we're saying yeah they were both in the wrong right let's, let's just call a spade a spade <laughs> Racist. What? <laughs> uh, so yeah, then she runs through the woods naked. Yeah, full frontal, full bush, full eighties bush. Yep. Except it's all matted because it's wet now. Because when she gets out of the water, someone has stolen all her clothes. Right. And but just, we all know who it is. And she stands there and goes, "You guys!" For like five minutes. You guys, come on! You guys, stop it! <laughs> oh god maybe it was just me but when she put her wet shoes on or when she put her shoes on with her like soaking wet feet did you cringe at all no oh okay i hate putting shoes on when my feet are wet i socks i can't do so- i can't do wet socks oh no no but I don't, I don't like not i don't like not wearing socks when i'm wearing shoes like on occasion if i have to take the dog out to piss or something i'll you know, slip on some shoes without socks. But if I'm going out, got to be wearing socks. So putting wet feet into dry shoes, 
it's just something psychological for me. It just makes me cringe. You got some weird phobias, man. Well, I don't know. I'll call it a phobia. It just it's like. Uh. Well, you got weird somethings. I do have weird somethings. <laughs> <coughs> so after Acropsy finally starts killing people, uh, we get the realization that Todd was one of the campers that killed him. Yeah. And there's absolutely no allusion up to that at any other point in the movie. No. You're just suddenly supposed to know. Well, I mean, they do a pretty good job of calling back to it. Yeah, but, like, how are you supposed to know? I don't think you are. I think that's the point. It's supposed to be like a twist. A twist! <laughs> what a twist! Uh, uh, but this isn't M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan and Ding Dong. No, it's not. But he was he didn't invent the twist. <laughs> Chubby Checker did. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Writers and producers on this. And this is an MGM movie. I didn't realize that. Neither did I. Um, so this, I mean, I have to assume this is kind of where they got their Admittedly, this is a movie that snuck by me. Like, when I, you know, I started a little later in horror, a little later in life with horror than you did. I didn't watch Vamp when I was three. (laughs) But, uh. You know, when I started going back to the 80s movies and catching up, I watched the Friday 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and this one could just snuck by me. Mm-hmm. So this is my, my first time watching it. Yeah, it was for me, too, actually. Um, I had heard of it, but I never really bothered to watch it. Um, and now I have. <laughs> so that's that's what I did today. <laughs> I watched this movie. Yeah, I did, but not today. Right. Um, yeah, and then, so you find out that Cropsy's going after Todd. Uh, Todd and this weird little wiener kid set him on fire. <laughs> that was the kid from uh, Fast Times. Which kid? The the kid with the Jufro. Really? Yeah. Huh, so there's all kinds of people in this movie. Yeah, there were. There were. Uh, um, uh, Leia Ayers, and she was in... Uh, Bloodsport. <laughs> uh, she was she was the the chick of the day for uh, um, JCVD. Oh yeah. Um, not the movie. The guy. The man. Oh, the legend. Not in the movie. Okay. <laughs> no, she was in Bloodsport, and she was the chick that John Claude was banging. Gotcha. Um. And yeah, apparently. Um, Holly Hunter was in this too, but I didn't see her. I didn't see her either. Um, obviously, she wasn't a focal point. Yeah. Well, anyways, I set Cropsy on fire, jam his shears into his neck or face or something, and then just leave him there to burn the barn or whatever they were in down. Yeah. And then it kind of repeats this like campfire story scene. Yeah, that they'd done earlier, but it's not—it's like, it's like a, a, a different group of kids. So, um, so like the, the the main action scenes of this movie, you know, basically where all the kills happen, is on not necessarily an island, but like some 
secluded forested area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's, it seems like it's completely desolate. No signs of any kind of uh, habitation or, you know, development. But, like, it just happened across these stone buildings out in the woods somewhere. And, yeah, like you said, some kind of barn. Or, yeah. Or it, was it supposed to? Was that supposed to be Camp Blackfoot? I don't like the remains of it. I don't think so. Because yeah, when they were running through there, I was like, "What? What is this place?" Of course, there were like uh, like mine carts or something. Were there? Yeah. Yeah, because Todd almost gets hit by one. At oh one yeah. Um. So I don't know what the hell the place was, but it just seemed like. It, it seems strange that suddenly there was like these buildings in an otherwise completely deserted area. Well, yeah, but they were like remains. Sure, but like ruins. Ruins. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was just like, "Where are they? What is this place? What is happening? Why is this happening? Who who is that? Who is that guy? Yeah, <laughs> who is that?" <laughs> uh so. Cropsy as a killer. What do you think? Um, I liked I liked the shears. It, that you was did? A, it was it was a creative weapon, I guess. But at that point in time, you had so many options because not all these things at our at this point in time. You know, basically every kind of garden tool and we, you know weapon <clears throat> of any kind has been used. Back then, they hadn't been, so they just had like all these options, and they went with garden shears. It was a, it was an iconic thing. I mean, it, we, you know, now you think someone killing someone with garden shears, you're going to think Cropsy or uh, Bruce Beefcake, the barber. Yeah, <laughs> he always had shears. Oh, okay. You don't remember that? No. How do you not remember that? I don't know. You were more of a wrestling fan than I was. I just remember Abdullah the Butcher stabbing people with a fork. <laughs> Yeah, Bruce Beefcake. Beefcake. Um, Beefcake. Sounds like a name for a vagina. That's what I was thinking. Beefcapes. <laughs> Meat drapes. <laughs> um, yeah, Bruce Beefcake. He always came out to the ring with a big pair of garden shears. You never stabbed anybody with him, though. No, he never <laughs> stabbed anyone. I don't, I don't think he'd get away with that. No. That would be... Uh, illegal use of a foreign object, right? <laughs> Never, not not to mention murder. Yeah, an assault with a deadly weapon. Um, <laughs> murder, murder, murder. <laughs> so you don't sound like you enjoyed this. Not really. It Why? was it was really sappy, and it's like I'd seen all this shit before in uh, Friday the Thirteenth. It, it is very similar. It's, you it's know, it's painfully similar. It's like it's a camp on a lake with a killer stalking through the woods. Yeah, and at the point in time when this movie came out, you couldn't even say, oh, well, you know, um, summer camp movies, summer camp slashers, uh, those were a thing. It's like this came out a, probably less than a year after Friday did, and it was identical so you can't say that it's a fad yet because there hasn't been that many movies with it. Right. Um, so 
you know, Bob and Harvey just stealing other people's ideas. You know, they still do it now. <laughs> I mean, I have to wonder if this was like already in the works when Friday the 13th came out and if they were just like, well, fuck. Maybe, but. Because they are very close in time frame. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, like I said, this is an MGM movie, so this had more juice behind it than uh, Friday did. Yeah. Uh, this, you know. I don't. God, I don't even know what studio put out um, Friday anymore. Or must have been Paramount, I guess. Eh, so I guess maybe competing. Paramount maybe with a little more of an edge. But still, uh, yeah, to just be like almost identical to, to Friday. Um, it, no. <laughs> Just no. If you take that aspect out of it, though, what did you think of it? The fact that it was almost identical? Yes. What's left? <laughs> I mean, just, like, imagine that Friday the 13th didn't exist. Would you still not like this movie? Well, I mean, it was super cornball. but I mean, you know, Friday is too, but... Um, uh, like I said, I, I wasn't digging the garden shears. It just... Wasn't was wasn't good. <laughs> what did you think of the effects? Uh, they're okay. I mean, for the time. Yeah, I mean, they're not good by today's standards, but for early eighties, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, they're a lot right. of a lot of giallo blood. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was. They just couldn't get blood right back then. Yeah, I think I think maybe part of it was just the the nature of the cameras back then. They couldn't pick up that dark red. Maybe I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know for sure. That that'd just be my guess. So yeah, it always went. It was just, you know, I think Dario Gento, he he, just did that because he wanted to. <laughs> he was into the like pink blood, um, but I think otherwise people probably just did it because it read better on camera. Yeah. Um. Cropsy's face, you know, his burned face, that was okay. It was very clearly a mask, but, you know, it it looked... Again, for the time... Yeah, it looked fairly legit, like, burned face. Yeah. But um, even for the time, I wouldn't even say it was, like, any kind of award-winning No, it wasn't, like, makeup. a revelation or yeah. anything. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the effects, really standard, I guess. Nothing really special about them. They weren't bad, but they weren't great. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, overall, I just this is just kind of a meh movie for me. Okay. Um, I, I I can't say I loved it, but I, I didn't dislike it. It was... I mean, it was, it was a typical slasher. It was... <clears throat> because, yeah, it was almost identical to a Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, so many of the Friday the 13th movies follow the same formula. So, just because this doesn't have the Friday the 13th name, I don't think you can just write it off. Well, that's Friday's formula, though. That That's theirs. <laughs> <laughs> they just took it and, made, and didn't even make it their own, really. Just kind of changed some things around and... 
paint by numbers, really. All right. Well, I, I thought it was decent. Not and not anything great. Not something I'd be like, oh, you got to go watch the burning, man. Like if if you if you like horror, you got to watch the burning, right? Because the burning is where it's at. <laughs> Oh, how about how about those eighty boo eighties boobs? They're very eighties. I don't like. I was watching this uh, with my wife, who you know obviously didn't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, opening scene. I don't remember the character's name or one of the opening scenes. Probably about ten minutes into the movie, maybe twenty. She's taking a shower, and uh, um. Yeah, her boobs are just super 80s, like shaped weird, big puffy nipples. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, wife, look at those 80s boobs. She's like, why do 80s boobs look so weird? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. But she's got big puffy nipples and something's going on there. <laughs> yeah, just, it was like for just like a decade, it seemed like boobs just changed shape and then just went back. Yeah. What and, happened? I I assume maybe it was just all the drugs in the seventies, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you could chalk it up to hormones in you know in milk and you know other foods and stuff. Uh, evolution, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> um, or different slash better bras nowadays. I, I don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't really have an explanation. <laughs> The only boobs that look, the only boobs back then that look how they look now, were fake ones. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And how about same scene? Creepy dude from Fast Times. Is it Alvin was that his name? Alvin or Albert? One of the two. Yeah. Dude, just a little creeper. Yeah, and totally was. It's not like. It doesn't even seem like he's really lusting after this girl. No, he even says he just wanted to scare her. Yeah. Which, you know, could be a, a put on, maybe. Like, yeah. He, maybe he does have just hard on for her. I don't know. But um, he, he doesn't really come across that way. It seems like he's just being a creep to, to be a creep. Like he enjoys uh, poking his head in on people in the shower and it almost seemed like it really could have been anyone, yeah. not necessarily a woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, she walks off into the woods with this fucking bro. <laughs> or it's more like a guido, really. <clears throat> you know, from from New York and super stupid, <laughs> super muscle-bound. Um, and... Uh, yeah, they they walk off into the woods and he follows them, and he's just just standing behind a tree, just staring at him. Like, yeah, he's just a little weirdo the whole movie. And then he ends up saving the day, right? I don't, I don't get it. No, he should have been the first one killed. But the important thing, most important thing of this entire movie, is that Jason Alexander survived. Right? It was just this whole crew that just like they go back to the camp, get off the boat. And then you never see them again for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I mean, if it was 10 years later, you know, you probably would have seen Jason Alexander in a more prominent role 
or even uh, Fisher Stevens. What happened to the dude and the chick that took the boat over there? Dude and the chick that took the boat over there. They were like the helicopters were supposed to be coming and oh, they did come. Well, yeah, but whatever happened to those two in the boat? They went over and then by the time they got there, Todd had already saved the day. Yeah. Yeah, they, them and the cops both arrived like just in the nick of time for th- everything to already be done. <laughs> so what was the point of that? Who knows? But yeah, they were they found some kind of clearing and she was down there flagging down the the helicopter. And you know what? The astronomical cost of launching a helicopter, like I don't think the cops would do it. <laughs> Maybe they would in the 80s, I don't know. But, you know, fuel costs and, you know, dealing with the union <laughs> and, you know, all these costs associated with just turning the engine on in a helicopter. Like, I don't think something that probably minor to them, I don't think it would happen. Someone killing kids is minor? Well, they don't know. They don't know for sure. <laughs> They're going off the word of some probably 911 call, you know. All right. <laughs> Whatever you say, man. Anyway. Uh, so give me a number. Uh, four. Uh, I'm going to go five. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's there. It's, you know, if if you're a horror fan, it's worth a watch. It's not. It's not like a must see, but it's worth a watch. I think. Yeah, this is <clears throat> to me. This is not one of those <clears throat> classic movies. <coughs> you know, like a like an essential horror movie. No, not by any means. Um, Otherwise, we would have watched it by now. Yeah, and there would have been you know sequels. There was. There was. There was at least one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I can't imagine this. That one's much better. <laughs> um. Well, whatever. You know, watch this movie or don't. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it boils down to. <laughs> All right, so our next movie is uh, my favorite movie of the series. Uh, it's going to be Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. This is between me and Jason. Jason belongs in hell, and I'm going to see he gets there. change the name. Ah! People want to forget this was Crystal Lake. Just because our parents keep telling us that Jason was only a legend doesn't mean it wasn't true. What if he did come back? Looking for the camp counselor that caused him to drown his wife.
Darren, we'd better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. So, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Uh, I was out in 1986 or 7. I thought it was 5. No, I know that uh, the worst one came out in 5, or 1985. Bar 5? Yeah. And you know why it was the worst? Because I had a fake Jason. A fake Jason? Yeah. It was some dude dressed up as Jason. Oh, that one. Yeah. It was bullshit. It was like the end of Dallas. Or... Yeah, it was Dallas. Yep. That's the one. Um, With Turtles and New Mexico and Patrick Duffy. Behold my Patrick Duffy leg. (laughs) Um... Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, so 1986 or 87, one of the two, um, starring Tom Matthews, as you may recall, he was in uh, uh, Return of the Living Return Dead. Of the Living Dead, thank you. Um, and uh, this was not long after Return of the Living Dead. So, uh, so he was in high demand. Apparently. <laughs> um, 86, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and as far as big names, I believe that was all. Um, Who played Jason in this one? Um, that was uh, shit. It wasn't. It wasn't Hotter. No, it wasn't. This was the movie before Kane Hodder's first role. Um. Oh, he was just a cryptocon. Shit, what was his name? Tom White. Yes. You sure? Ted White. Ted White. Yeah. Uh, yes. I am I'm sure. You can look it up. I'm gonna. That's fine. Um, so the, the reason I love this movie is because... C.J. Graham. C.J. Graham. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, sorry. Ted White was final chapter, so part four. My bad. Um, anyway, so, yeah, this is my, per- my f- favorite... Uh, Friday, because uh, it's the first one with the undead Jason, and oh, that's why it's your favorite. Yeah, I always knew it was your favorite. I never really knew why. Yeah, because it's the f- first one. It, it, it's the first one where Jason is undead, <laughs> and the pretty much the only one that isn't like really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, New Blood's all right. You know, it's a, you know obviously the first one. Keen Hodder as Jason, um, and uh, he's you know aside from Tommy Jarvis, you've got a character that you might be able to consider kind of an arch nemesis. Um, I didn't like the whole psychic angle; it was a little campy, um, and I think that was trying to incorporate the 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 supernatural. Fans, you know the people that were watching uh, Poltergeist and, and you know, things oh, like that. Yeah. I I don't I don't know if that's necessarily true. That's just kind of the impression I got. Um, but anyway, so this one features Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis, who, by all accounts, is like kind of Jason's 
Nancy Thompson or um, uh, Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode. Um, you know, obviously he's a man, so it's a little different. But uh, a man, a man, a man. <laughs> uh, you know, Jason first encountered Tommy when Tommy was a boy. When Tommy was Corey Feldman. <laughs> um, and Tommy was, again, the the focus of the main character in 5. But again, 5 sucks. So here we are with number 6. Um, and Tommy has been released from the mental institution that he was in. Uh, in between five and six, um, and he's. It starts out where they are, er, him and Horshack are flying, <laughs> down, <laughs> are flying down the road, and uh, they're going to. Tommy just has to be convinced that Jason is dead. Uh, I guess ever since the incidents at the halfway house or whatever you want to call it in that he was in in five he's just been having nightmare after nightmare he's been obsessed with um with uh, with with jason and not being fully convinced that he's actually dead so like i said he and horshack are going to the cemetery where jason's buried and tommy's actually gonna dig jason up to make sure that he's not only there but dead <laughs> Um, and you know, Horshack's not into the idea. He, he's going Tommy crazy, even though they both came from the same mental institution. Uh, and so they get to the, the, uh, funeral, not the funeral. Um, <laughs> the, dearly beloved, <laughs> we are gathered here today to remember Jason Voorhees. Yep. And so they, they dig Jason up at the cemetery and, um, Sure enough, there he is, you know. All mega faced. Yeah. Dead as a doornail. And uh, it doesn't quite satisfy Tommy enough, so he goes over, (coughs) grabs a rod from the dilapidated wrought iron fence, and just starts impaling Jason's corpse with this, this rod. Um,. And, he gives uh, him the rod, yeah, over and, and over. And then, uh, you know, by some stroke of coincidence, there also happens to be a lightning storm, and this wrought iron rod uh, acts as a lightning rod. rod. <laughs> <laughs> Saying rod a lot, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and. Of course, Jason, even though he's been dead for probably 10 plus years, um, is reincarnated. And that's fine. Yeah. That's how science works. (laughs) Science. (laughs) Read Frankenstein. That's how it works. Um, Of course, they didn't have any amniotic goo. (laughs) Any monk. (laughs) 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 Monk. It's just one of those words. It's just like it just makes it sound so much more disgusting. I know. I don't like that there are mung memes. It, it disturbs me. Mung memes, beans. Oh, <laughs> it's like I haven't seen any of those on the internet. Uh, um, 
So yeah, Jason, of course. Are they made from real moam? <laughs> I hope not. I think I've accidentally eaten some before. <laughs> mm, after birthy. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, Jason's hit by lightning, comes back to life, uh, kills Horshack, um, and the whole world applauded. <laughs> And uh, so Tommy goes into um, into town, you know, the town previously known as Crystal Lake, now known as Forest Green because of all the occurrences that happened at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, the town wanted to basically wipe itself clean of all these bad memories. Um, and... and uh, so, yeah, now it's called just Forest Green. It's Camp Forest Green, uh, Lake Forest Green. So, um, yeah, Tommy goes into town, goes to the sheriff's office. And this shared sheriff, oh, my God. What what a fucking character. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He's, like, overly hard-ass. Like, I can't compare him to anyone because he's got this special brand of like like you know one liners and just like really cliche cop lines and stuff <laughs> I guess I didn't really realize that this was the first one with undead Jason so I guess it makes more sense now thinking about it of him just absolutely not believing Tommy in any way shape or form yeah because yeah as far as everybody knows Jason's been dead for like I said 10 some odd years mm-hmm. um, doesn't seem to acknowledge that uh, Tommy is the one that killed Jason <laughs> uh, put him in the grave um, he does does acknowledge that uh, what happened to him and his family um, but doesn't seem to even process the fact that Tommy's the one that killed him. Right. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the cop is, he's, like I said, just a ridiculous ham hard ass. And like it's, it's, it's completely over the top and kind of funny. <laughs> um, and then his like kind of skanky blonde teenage daughter comes in and she starts flirting with Tommy because he's a bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's a bad boy. And, you know, teenagers, they, they do that kind of stuff. They got the hormones. Right. Damn hormones. Raging all over the place. Immunities. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are immunities? Um, so, you know, all, she also is a... Um, Counselor at the. Let's see, uh, you watched this more recently than I did. Is it is it actually Camp Crystal Lake that's reopened, or is it a different camp? Uh, that's one thing. I don't I think they say. No, it, it well, it's it's on Crystal Lake, right? But it, it, through the series, you kind of guess that there are, is more than one camp. Oh yeah, I don't think they I don't think they say. Hmm. Okay. Well, 
Um, she, yeah, like I said, she's a counselor at this camp on Crystal Lake. Um, and her and her, her buddies, especially dude, like super eighties dude. With his fucking. The dude I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It was ripped up jeans and his crop top shirt. Dude, the, the counselors in this movie are the cast of Saved by the Bell. Yes. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh man, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got like the 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 black chick with the super teased out hair, um, and the the cool guy with the kind of torn up clothes and with the curly mullet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no Zach Morris though, unless that's I think Tommy. Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, he's he's the Zach Morris. <laughs> he's kind of a nervous Actually, no, Zach I think, Morris. Uh, what's her name? Megan. Yeah, she's kind of the Zach Morris. I guess, but who's the Kelly? Uh, the other chick. Oh. Her. <laughs> the inconsequential one. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're up at this camp while Jason is, of course, uh, returning to his you know stomping grounds. Um, you know, killing people along the way. Uh, he found his uh, found his um, hockey mask because Tommy kept it as kind of a really twisted souvenir Token, yeah. <laughs> um, and basically threw it at his body before he was reanimated. So he has his mask. Um, he always seems to find a machete. Yeah. <laughs> like somehow there's always a machete. Uh, in this case, it's uh, these people that are on some kind of company retreat. Mm-hmm, playing like a, paintball. Yeah. Paintballing adventure thing. And for some reason, this guy has an actual machete yeah, yeah. on this paintball game. Yeah, and he's really upset that, that some female executive uh, beat him. Yeah. So he's just chopping wildly. Um, yeah, and so Jason comes and... Rips his arm off. Rips his arm off. And, you know, it's a cool little thing. Uh, this is, like, something that, uh, I guess, C.J. Graham did, um, is when he rips the arm off, he kind of analyzes it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, he... he like he's not expecting that to happen yeah. and not really realizing the kind of power he has now. Um, and another point. Um, the best he, part about that scene, though, is when he slams him into the tree and it's got the smiley face. Yeah. Into the tree. <laughs> um, yeah. So he slaughters basically this entire group of, you know, white collars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, then he also, I think this actually may have been the night before, the night he was reincarnated. He stops who was supposed to be the head, the two head counselors. Uh, two headed counselors. The two head counselors. Um, stops him in the woods and kills both of them naturally, uh, but. You know, in the process, he's being shot, and that's another thing. He is shot, and he stops. You got to shoot him in the head because he's a zombie, right? Um, but he, you know, they shoot him, and he stops. You know, expecting to you know have some kind of injury, uh, but he doesn't, and that's when he kind of you know starts walking towards him again, and just getting lit up, and you're know, not affecting him at all, and. It's it's interesting that not even Jason 
expected that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eventually Tommy gets out of jail through the help of uh, Meg. Is that her name? Megan. Megan. Um, and because she hasn't actually seen Jason, but she believes him or believes Tommy and she's going to help him um, because she thinks he's cute. Probably. Yep. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, Women always thinking with their vaginas. <laughs> right. <laughs> thinking with their little heads, their tiny little itty bitty heads. So small. <laughs> you know that little thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just skin, Stephen. <laughs> Speaking of her vagina, how about the scene where she's driving and she just like takes Tommy's head and just like, Bleh! yeah. Smell my camel toe. She's like, stay there. And he's like, well, okay. And then yeah. the camera just like zooms in on her badge. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's in the epic getaway. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, like any other uh, Friday the 13th movie, it's, it's the, the story's pretty thin. Which is fine because there's plenty of action to make up for it, you mm-hmm. know, gore and and you know kills and stuff. Um, this movie knew exactly what it was. Oh like, yeah, some of the Friday the Thirteenth sequels they try to you know add in this backstory or add in something new, and it's like this was like no, people just want to see teenagers getting chopped up. Yeah, we've we've already got all the story taken care of. We're just going to do a bunch of shit. Yeah, and you know. This was the last movie to feature Tommy Jarvis, and I don't, I don't know why. I mean, of course, even you know, even Halloween dropped Laurie at one point, you know, for several movies. Yeah, and she didn't come back. Well, not just one movie, just one. Yeah, she died at the beginning of Resurrection. Yeah, there hasn't been one since, unless you count the remakes. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about from the movie, the last movie she was in, up until Resurrection. Because she was not in several movies. Oh, yeah. She wasn't in four through six. Right. Okay. So, so yeah. I mean, even, you know, an iconic final girl like Lori wasn't in some of the movies. Yeah. Um, but why they dropped Tommy so quickly, I don't know. Um, seemed like they kind of had a good thing going. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, to- eventually Tommy develops this plan to where he's going <coughs> to bring Jay. The, the the symbolic kills of Jason are strange, and I think that I think this movie may have just may have started that. Um, because I can't recall any others up until this point, but. Tommy is convinced that he has to bring Jason back to Crystal Lake um, and basically drown him there again. Yeah. And that's how he'll die. Uh, And (laughs) conceptually, it's a little, like I said, a little thin. But, you know, whatever. You're not watching this movie for the story. Um. And, you know, he, he tricks Jason to coming out into the lake. Um, and that's where he hooks a chain wrapped around a boulder, uh, 
wraps it around Jason's neck and drops it. And, of course, Jason is pulled to the bottom of the, the lake and just left to sit there for eternity. Yeah. Or until, you know, some... Some psychic girl releases him? Yeah. Or, you know, a boat going to New York or going to Manhattan comes by. Right. <laughs> um, that was part eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? I like it. Um, I mean, like I said, this this movie knows exactly what it wants to do, and it doesn't want to try and flood you with more story about Jason or a bunch of character development for characters that are just going to die. Right. This is a movie that just says, we've already got this story. We're just going to give the people what they want, which is just Jason wrecking fools for two hours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, there's some pretty cool kills in this movie. Um Probably the most ambitious stunts in a Friday movie up to this point. Uh, you know, the 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 AC Slater character. <laughs> he sneaks off and just to he sneaks off to ba- bang some chicken or Winnebago. 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 Oh, you beat me too. Got it. We got it. We got it. Team All effort. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and uh, they start heading back to camp or something. Jason pulls the the plug, on, right? And he dude goes out to investigate and sees that the plug's been ripped, and so he realizes someone's out there, and so they they hightail it. Got it. Um, little do they know that Jason is inside of the. RV. He was in the crapper the whole time. Yeah. Taking his shit. Yeah. Uh, killer shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how the, those people die. You're like, oh my god, it smells so bad. <laughs> it smells like death. Um, yeah, Jason pulls a chick inside the bathroom and like just basically throws her around inside of these tight quarters and then slams her face into the side of the camper. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and it looks like... I think actually what they did for that effect was just vacuum form. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and then just add probably some crinkling of uh, aluminum cans for Foley mm-hmm. sound. <laughs> um, and uh, then when, once Jason's done with her, he goes up and kills the dude driving. You know, he kills A.C. Slater. Uh, Just jabs a knife right in the side of his head. Yeah. And so he jackknifes the... Um, would, you, would you call it a jackknife? Well, th- wouldn't it have to bend to be a jackknife? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know what he else... He just rolls it. Yeah, I, I guess. He, 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 he cuts it really sharp because, you know, obviously he's dead. Um, well, it goes off, goes off road and I think it hits like an embankment and rolls. Was that what it was? Okay. I think so. Um, yeah, so it rolls and um, and just goes sliding down the street. And like I said, most ambitious stunts up to this point. You know, they they wrecked a fucking RV for the stunt. How about that visual of Jason like standing on top of the flaming RV? It's awesome. So good. It's fucking killer. Um, <clears throat> so, God, uh, 
What are some other kills in this? Um, help me out here. Uh, let's see. We mentioned the guy getting the his face in the tree. Oh, folds the dude backwards. Which he oh, does, yeah, yeah. He does again in Freddy vs. Jason. But yeah, dude is laying flat on the ground uh, on his stomach. Jason takes his legs and folds them up to his head. Yeah. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Just tacos him. Yeah. Um, uh, How about when Jason gets hit with a shotgun and he's like down and then he just goes. <laughs> that was part three. Nope. That was this. Because it happens like four times in a row. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, sorry. He does that in three as well. It wasn't a shotgun, though. Well, in this one it was. It was the axe. Okay, blast him with a shotgun. He goes down. He lays down. And you think he's dead. And then he just sits up Undertaker style. But he, like, reaches out. Yeah. And it's kind of cheesy. <laughs> um, in this movie, Jason is definitely more methodical um, and not what you'd expect from the, you know, mentally handicapped mongoloid that he is. So, I mean, there's that element of it that seems a little inaccurate, I guess. Um, I gotta say, C.J. Graham is much more svelte than most of the other Jasons. Yeah. Um, And that's why I always liked... You know, I mean, obviously Kane Hodder, just because he's got, for a, basically a faceless killer, uh, he's got just the body language down. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why Kane Hodder's awesome. But also, somebody that I just don't think gets enough love is Ken Kersinger, who played him in Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Dude's like almost seven foot tall. Um, and just this intimidating beast. And that's how I always imagined Jason being. Mm-hmm just fucking huge yeah um and uh yeah so i mean in my mind he was like the perfect guy to play jason yeah i thought mirrors did a great job too mirrors is good too um yeah uh what else to say about this oh how about that doug that uh, graveyard caretaker. Oh, that weird old guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a total drunk. He's like pretty much drunk. The like every scene he's in, he's just shit faced. Well, I like the part where he's he's like covering up Jason's grave. And he's like, why would they want a grave rob Jason anyways? And he looks right at the camera and goes, "Some people got a weird sense of entertainment." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, is that supposed to be like a statement about horror movies? Yeah, I think it was just a dig on the people that watch Friday Thirteenth movies. <laughs> Um, and then like, uh, there's a part where Tommy, um, he's supposed to be being led out of town. Um, cause I guess at one point the sheriff does release him from jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically says, here's the town line. Don't come back across it or no, he's driving him to the town line. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and Tommy basically cuts off road and, uh, goes directly to the cemetery where he had just dug up Jason. And of course, at this point, da- Jason's completely recovered um, <laughs> with Horshack in the, in the uh, coffin. 
this river when he when the caretaker reburies him. Yeah, you see the boot. Yeah, he says, you know, he didn't have the decency to put him all the way back in. Um, but I, <laughs> I love when they get there, and, and Tommy's like, "Did you, did you rebury him? He was dug up, right?" And then once the cops leave, he's like, "Trying to get me to say that I reburied him? <laughs> Does he think I'm a farthead? <laughs> <laughs> farthead?" <laughs> um, yeah, that guy was goofy. He was a coot. <laughs> um, so what do you what do you think of the end of the whole like oh Crystal Lake the uh, idiot thing? What? <laughs> Just uh, of the like of Tommy's bullshit idea that if we drown him in Crystal Lake again, he'll stay dead for some reason. Oh, like I said, that's completely ridiculous. Does, wait, does he actually think he's going to stay dead, or does he just think they could just leave him down there? I think they. I think he thinks that yeah, Jason will stop if he's there. That's what? dumb. That's just dumb. Yeah, and you know, Jason has proven some great feats of strength in this movie. Uh, and to think that he can't lift a rock that Tommy himself put into a boat right. and then manage... Well, I guess it broke through the boat, so he didn't actually lift it out, but there's something off about that. Yeah. Actually, let me take a break from this real quick and go back to the burning real quick. Um, at one point, Cropsy's coming at... He sneaks up on a girl with his hedge clippers, and she catches him. She's holding him off for a bit. And then later in the movie... Holding him by the blades? Well, kind of like by the by the ends of the handles. Oh, okay. And like holding him at, at bay. And, you know, Crops is like struggling to like actually shove the ends into her. Um, and then the next scene, Cropsy shoves him into the throat of a fully grown man, lifts him up off yeah. the ground... Carries him and puts and shoves him into it like the ends of the hedge clippers into a tree. Some imbalance there. True, true. <laughs> um, anyway, so back to Friday. Um, the uh, story of how like Jason is, or the 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 explanation of why Jason's going to stay is ridiculous. Dum 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 dum. <laughs> but again, you don't. You don't watch these movies for the for the plot. Yeah, true. You, you, the only reason, and you know, even me as a, a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan, uh, it. Uh, I don't watch it for the plot. <laughs> I don't give a shit about the plot. I watch it to see what new and creative ways Jason is going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. It's you got to have one or the other. Like you have to have a really strong plot, or you have to have just no plot and just mindless killing. Right. This is not a movie that you're going to like analyze and go, you know, what I wonder what that means. Yeah. It's not a movie that you need to think a lot about. Right. It's one where you can basically turn your brain off and just enjoy. Yeah. And you know, there's a certain point where even, um, even, you know, gore and, and good kills won't save you. I mean, look at Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell. Those plots were so dumb that there was no saving them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jason uh, gets turned back into a child because he's splashed with toxic New York sewage. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, that happens. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, hello, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, seen it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, just despite its ridiculous ending and you know ridiculous characters and all that, this is still my favorite Friday. Um, and so, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Give me a number. All right. Uh, I got to give this one. God, I feel like I'm overdoing it if I give it a nine. <laughs> but I really want to give it a nine. Give it a nine then. All right, let me give it a nine. I'm not going to judge you. You know what? I'm going to take it back. I'm going to give it an eight because this is also, ironically enough, my favorite Friday the 13th movie is the only Friday the 13th movie that has no nudity. Not a single boob to be found. Wow, you're right. Yeah. It took me a couple years to even acknowledge that, but yeah. So, because... <laughs> I knocked it down a peg. Yep. Because it's the only Friday movie with no boobs, loses a point to eight, so... All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean... Like we were saying earlier, this is one where you just turn your brain off and you just enjoy it for what it is. It's not a movie you got to think about. So it's it's not a movie that tries to be a movie that you think about and fails. Yeah, it, it just it just isn't, and that's that's what makes it fun. Um, uh, I think I'm gonna match you. I'll, I'll do an eight as well. Okay. So we have a special treat for you guys. Yeah, we've got a, a third little mini review. Mini review. Yeah, it's, it's, I. Doubt we'll even review this as long as the the short was. Um, but uh, you guys may remember uh, Gigi Guerrero from uh, Luchagor. Uh, we had her and uh, two of her partners on the show. Rainer and Luke. Rainer and Luke. Um, what? God, it's six episodes ago? No, uh, it was 42. Yeah. So, yeah, episode 42, um, we interviewed Luchagor Productions, um, and Gigi is, uh, you know, co-founder and, and, you know, resident director. She was kind enough to send us a, a, a viewing of um, her sh- new short. Uh, well, D- their, their new short. Sorry. Give them all credit. Well, Rainer and Luke were there. I know. It's implied. <laughs> But she was the one that sent it to us, so that's why. Guys, don't worry about it. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> anyway, so we watched Madre de Dios. So Madre de Dios. Don't try to culture it up, white boy. <laughs> Madre de Dios. Um, Stars another former Grave Plot podcast guest. Yes. Miss Tristan Risk. Yes. Who is... Just not shy about getting naked at all. No, not in the least. <laughs> what what I like about this is, um, actually, I heard an interview with uh, Gigi on, I believe it was the Who Goes There podcast, and she was saying that you know Tristan always plays this like kind of bad girl, this badass, and she was like, "No, I'm going to take you and I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to do sick shit to you." <laughs> yeah, she's definitely more of a victim in this. And you know, Tristan was like, "Shit, yeah." <laughs> Um, 
this was uh, there. There was not a lot of dialogue in this. I mean, there was a handful of Spanish, and my Spanish is super rusty. So. Yeah, I got madre out of it. <laughs> That's weird. You. It seems like you have a better retention of Spanish than I do. Well, they spoke way too fast. They did. They spoke really fast, and there was a lot of loud music in the background. Um, but so it seems like the story is that there's this kind of elderly couple who seem to be part of some cult uh, or something. I'm not entirely sure what what the backstory is there. They've got weird stuff on their face. And they've got some interesting scarification on Almost their face. Almost like they're like not fully human. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I know the man, his face, he's got, like, he's got ridges around his eyes. He's got hashes on his on his lips. Um, and that kind of gives him kind of a skull appearance. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he has, like, these kind of chevrons on his forehead. Mm-hmm. I think the woman does, too. I think so. Hers are hers. And she's also got like a ridge nose. Yeah, yeah, just some really interesting scars on them. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the, there's not a whole lot of backstory here. Well, yeah, I mean, I it almost seems like they're like elder gods or something. Them as people? Yeah, I, they kind of struck me more as because uh, they, they seem like there's something more than human. I didn't get that. They just seemed like. Crazy cult members. Well, I mean, that's very possible too. Um, but I mean, it, it's so short that I don't really want to discuss the whole thing. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, for for them to be such a small production house, like their quality is just oh, it's amazing. astronomical. Yeah. Um, it, it they're they're like doesn't cease to amaze me. Their makeup effects are always good. Their gore effects are always good. The like, it it always looks amazing. Luke mm-hmm. does an amazing job. Yeah. Um. The the sound is always good. Yeah. Um. And f- you know, if if you listen to our interview in episode forty two, uh, forty two, you know, their entire crew, Luchagor, is all essentially volunteers. None of them are getting paid. They all work day jobs. Yeah. So they all just do it for the for the the passion of the of the of the project mm-hmm. um so to see something this well done and this well put together and for it to be such to have such professionalism and, and high production value it's it's incredibly impressive um but uh yeah, yeah. As, as far as the story goes basically all you need to know is tristan risk has been kidnapped i assume yeah She's tied to a pole or a stake or something. Uh, they strip her down. They perform some kind of ritual on her, and then they just slice her up. Right. Uh, and the part where he puts his hand on her belly and her belly lights up—how fucking awesome is that? That was really good. Uh, I don't know exactly if that was like uh, CGI or if that was some kind of practical effect. It kind of happened too quickly for me to get a good eye on yeah. it. Um, but uh, it looked really good, and it looked cool. Um, so it was pretty impressive. And, I mean, the, 
the title, if you speak Spanish, you kind of already know how this ends. Right. But like the part where they where they cut her open, I'd like that. I'd, I'm wondering if they like went old school and just got a pig from a butcher shop and sliced it open because that was that was legit. It did look pretty convincing, <clears throat> and um, I, I'm I'm sure they mentioned who does their effects. Uh, I, I just I can't recall. I don't know. Um, I know that they're basically their entire crew is on their website. Um, but I, I, I'm not good with names. So. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so this, this is really awesome. Um, do we know anything about a release for this? No, cause I'm not sure what the, what the plan with it is. Cause I know like with, with, uh, Higante, it was, they didn't release it publicly cause it was part of a grander thing. I don't know if that's the plan for this as well or not, but right. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this was pretty awesome. Uh, Want to give numbers? I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, similar to Higante, it's this is something where I see it as something bigger, but only really in the sense because I don't know the backstory of these people. Yeah, yeah, and that, again, like you said, that was. So similar to Elegante um, that uh, you you wanted to know more about what the hell was going on. Right. But at the same time, I don't know if this could be a full-length feature. I feel like there's not really enough story there to fill 90 minutes. Maybe like 45. I think I could see the potential, but I mean, it would depend on what direction they would want to go in, I guess. Sure. Um. But yeah, I, I thought this was awesome. The gore effects are just amazing. For a six and a half minute movie, just the effects are just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen major motion pictures that have had effects not as good as this. Right. Because they're all CGI bullshit. Yeah. Um, although I, I got to say, I don't like this as much as I like Gigante. But I think that's... Mostly content-wise, I like Tigante better because I'm a wrestling fan, and yeah. that appealed to me. Um, See, I, I'm the opposite. I dug this one more. Oh well, that's your prerogative. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. But it's my prerogative. It, it is really good. It is something that uh, you know keeps you enthralled for the whole thing. It's only six and a half minutes, so it's not hard to keep you enthralled for six and a half minutes, but. Yeah. But still, it's it's, some, if it's something you want to see more of. What were you I was going to say, if you can't stay entertained for six and a half minutes or stay focused for six and a half minutes, you have medical <laughs> You're problems. probably not still listening to this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I think, I think actually I'm just going to give it – I'll give it the same ranking I gave Elegante, which was a seven. Okay. Um, I don't remember what I gave Elegante. Um, you gave it a seven. Did I give it a seven? Okay. Well, like I said, I like this one more. Um whether that was just content or whether it was uh, effects, I, I don't know. Um, I can't really pinpoint exactly what it was I liked better. Because um, I, I, I still have the same desires from it. I still want to know more um, about it and uh, you know have a, have a clearer understanding of what the hell's going on. And you know we're getting that out of Vigante, but I hope they. I hope they do the same with this. Yeah. Um, 
like I said, I did overall like it better. And since I gave Elegante uh, a seven, I guess I'll give this one an eight. All right. So that's, you know, big recommendations from us. Uh, like we, we, we don't know how you can see it. Yeah, like we said, we don't we don't know. <laughs> but keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye on Luchigor. On their 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 website is luchagorproductions dot com, I believe. I think so. Um, you know, go follow them on Twitter and stuff. They everything they put out is amazing, and uh, yeah, I can't fucking wait for full length Elegante. Yeah, that should be good. Um, and it seems like they've they've got some things in the works, and I'm I'm really apt to see all of them. Yeah. Oh, there's an uh, anthology movie coming out mm-hmm. called Mexico Barbaro, or Mexico Barbaro. <laughs> White boy, <laughs> um, which they they have a segment in. Have you seen the the red band trailer for that? I want to say yes, but Dude, it's- it looks fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. The Mexican people are weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, like Taylor said, yeah, keep an eye out. Just keep tabs on if, if you like. I hate to say dark and gritty, but if you like dark, gritty, aggressive, gory horror, pay attention to Luchagore Productions. Yeah, if you can, if if you're a fan of Rob Zombie work, uh, even some of it doesn't necessarily have to be like the Halloween movies. <laughs> but if you like like House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, but and then you also like uh, Robert Rodriguez um, and Quentin Tarantino, you know they they kind of old grindhouse style this is like the perfect amalgamation of those two styles um and if you like those you're you're, you're gonna love what luchagor puts out so um yeah like taylor said look them up on facebook and uh twitter and check out their website uh and, and keep track of them because they I, I see big things coming for them me too um anyway so um that's gonna do it for us on this episode. Well, we've got one thing left. We've got to play plot, plot holes. You didn't do it, did you? No, I didn't. You are the fucking worst. You are the literal worst. Do you know what, do you know what you did for this show? Absolutely fucking nothing. You didn't watch any of the movies until today. You didn't do plot holes. we got to do four plot holes in a month, man. That's fucking taxing. All right, I did your damn plot holes. All right. If you're new to the show, Plot Holes is where we take the plot of a famous movie and we remove a bunch of words and replace them Mad Lib style. So, Tony, I need an adjective. Uh, squishy. I feel like I've used that one before, but I don't care. Uh, past tense verb. Finger fucked. That's a little of this. I know what it is. Noun. Yeah, yeah you know what that is? A little of that? A give me a noun. Action. Put your finger back in your butt and give me a noun. <laughs> Uh, noun. <laughs> Mung. <laughs> God damn it. Adjective. Uh, piss stained. Pretty sure you've used that before, too. Have I? I thought that was all original. Verb. Uh, space talking. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it's going to have to be space dock. Okay. Google that if you don't know what that is. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with space, just so you know. <laughs> or docking. Right. Adjective. Uh, rapey. <laughs> You're just taking words from the episode? Oh, right. No. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just in my head. Uh, another know. adjective. Uh, flatulent. 
Noun. Uh, nail gun. Noun. Curveball. Uh, wall-mounted dildo. Oddly specific. <laughs> Adjective. Uh, throbbing. And noun. A butt plug. Okay, so keeping in the theme of the show, which is Week of the Slasher, and since Tony just brought up Rob Zombie in the last segment, we're going to hear what Tony has done to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Ah. (laughs) As a child, young Michael Myers committed one of the most squishy crimes imaginable, subsequently finger-fucked in an asylum, (laughs) (laughs) and placed under the care of Dr. Loomis, the hollow-eyed mung grew into a piss-stained man, determined to space-dock his way back to his hometown of Haddonfield. (laughs) And complete the murderous mission that he began so many years back. These days, the long-abandoned Myers house sits decrepit and rapey on a peaceful suburban street. (laughs) Its flatulent windows and rotting nail gun, a silent testament to the wall-mounted dildo that has haunted Haddonfield for decades. (laughs) Now Michael Myers is back, and as the children of this typical Midwestern town fill the sidewalks for a throbbing night of trick-or-treats, Haddonfield is about to find out there is no escape from pure butt plug. (laughs) All right, that was mostly good. (laughs) Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Next week, we are back with our Halloween episode. Third annual Halloween special. Hey! And, you know, we call it a special, but it's not all that special. (laughs) There's really nothing special about it. Yeah, we we were thinking this year, it's like... We review Halloween movies, you know, on a horror podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah, we were sitting around trying to think of like what we could do to actually make our Halloween special special. Uh, couldn't come we'll that. probably like wear costumes and <laughs> eat candy during the episode. Yeah, we're wearing, we're hats, hats, capes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, so that will be next Wednesday, uh, and that will wrap up our fucking. Marathon month. <laughs> yeah. We'll be watching two brand new Halloween movies, too. Right. We're going to be watching uh, Hellions and Tales of Halloween. Right. Excited about both of those. I've uh, been waiting a while to see them. And we're working on an interview as well. Yes. Hopefully that, that sticks. Yes. Hopefully it does. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Keep an eye out on our website for our, our new short film. Um, that's oh, bravebotpodcast.com. Right. Yeah, we don't have a locked date on that yet, but we're hoping uh, probably maybe maybe the the day that we air our Halloween episode. That would be good. Yeah, maybe. Um, if we can get it done by then. So, <laughs> so yeah, keep keep an eye on graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook for, for our updates. And uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Or, you know, wherever people listen to podcasts. Whatever people do. Yeah, what are you young kids do nowadays? And if, if you are listening on Stitcher or iTunes, please just go leave us a review. Even if you don't write anything, just go and, you know, click the last star on the right. Hopefully that's five on all of them. Yeah. Or seven or whatever people do. Just give us as many stars as possible. As many stars as they'll let you do. <laughs> because you love us. You, like I said, you don't even have to write anything. You don't have to think. Just click. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll catch up with you again in a week. Uh, Until then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Mm
Grab your tennis shoes and your canoe and your old flat top guitar. Your fishing pole, your tent full of holes, and throw it in the back of the car. We're going camping. We're going motherfucking camping. Out in the woods, we'll have a heck of a time. Swim in the stream, swinging on a rope and a tire. In the great outdoors, eating marshmallow s'mores, laughing and a singing round the fire. We're going camping, we're going motherfucking camping.